This week, we are talking about the church, one of my favorite topics. And the question that I have for you is the church that you go to, not cool, not cool enough for you? Can it be doing better at cool? Maybe the church isn't called to be cool. Maybe the church is called to the Great Commission. Welcome to the Deep End. The Deep End Podcast. Welcome to the Deep End Podcast, brought to you by Waters Church in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. The Deep End is where we go deeper in the scriptures to empower our walk with God. If you're watching on Facebook Live, we're glad you joined us, and we encourage you to be a part of the conversation in the comments below. If you're listening in on SoundCloud or your podcast app, be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let's go live to Pastor Tim Hatch as we get started with today's podcast. This is The Deep End. Welcome in, everybody. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here at Waters Church, North Attleboro. And this is The Deep End Podcast, and you have joined us for a special talk about 1 Corinthians as we continue our walk through this amazing book from Paul in the first century to the Corinthian believers. Hey, if you're watching on Facebook, tell us where you're watching from. Home, work, the yard, <laughs> school, <laughs> the bathroom. I don't know. Where are you watching from? We'd love to know, except maybe not at the bathroom. Right. Just say home in that yeah. respect. We want to welcome into the studio with us back today, Shane Parsons, executive pastor of Waters Ooh. Church. Hey hello, guys. Shane. Hello, How are you? hello. Good afternoon. Shane. <laughs> Shane, who has a hard time turning off his phone for Facebook Live while you're on Facebook Live. I thought I had it this time. Oh, I All apologize. Right. It's okay. <laughs> but welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. And uh, you were here last week, so you did good enough to make a return trip. I guess so. Wow. And I was wondering, did you get recognized this week after your <laughs> after your time on this show? Yeah, I signed a few autographs <laughs> this, this week. It was wonderful. Excellent. That's what we do this for. We yeah. do this for our own ego <laughs> do it for the autographs yes. that's right all, all, all the people flocking around us shortly after <laughs> yes because you know those 50 people watching online right now they they are a flocking crowd <laughs> flocking f-l-o-c-k uh and and also <laughs> joining us for the first time here is josh daigle hey and right. josh ladies i'm sorry to say josh daigle is now engaged Yep, that's it. I'm you're, tied down. You're, you're off the market. Oh, boy. Yep. So, uh, young ladies, you're going to have to look elsewhere. Don't worry. We've got plenty of other options in the uh, incubator over here coming up <laughs> the ranks. Incubator. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and what's, your, what's your fiance's name? Kira. Kira Marks, soon to be Kira Daigle. Kira Daigle. Sounds good. Yeah, has a good ring to <laughs> yeah, it. She's Kira not going to go with the mar the hyphenated Marks Daigle? Nope, I told her that's one of the requirements. you got to take the name. you got to take the name, yeah. you got to do it. Hmm. What's her middle name? Do you know that? Lynn. Kira Lynn. Kira Lynn Marks Daigle. Kira, nah, that's way too long. <laughs> but that would be pretty cool to say, like if she became a, ce a celebrity. Oh, that's Kira Lynn Marks Daigle. Yeah, I don't know about that. No, okay, no. no too right. much, too much. Yeah, too much. Maybe, too I'll much. Change, maybe I'll change my last name. Maybe I'll be Josh Marks. No. Get out. <laughs> exactly. Just go now. Get out. Put your headphones down. <laughs> no, no, we're not, we're not doing that. I uh, want to say congratulations to you and Kara. I think it's going to be awesome. You guys getting married. I think it's great. Thank yeah. you so much. We're, we're really excited. I love seeing um, young people at our church marry young people from our church. Yeah, absolutely. Of the opposite sex. Yeah. <laughs> we're not that kind of church um <laughs> we want to see our young ladies marry our young men and produce young beautiful christian babies to the glory of jesus amen yeah. fill up that children's ministry for us yeah seriously um and we have some things going on at the church this weekend and uh some upcoming events so shane why don't you give us uh, the low the lowdown on what's up Okay, we, uh, this Saturday at 10 a.m. we have baptism class right here in the classroom area on the upper level. Um, and then uh, on Sunday we have growth track. Growth track starts this Sunday at 11.30, same time, uh, same place in the uh, classroom. And this starts Discover Waters Church. So if you're new here, you've been just coming for a little bit, you want to know a little bit more about Cheryl, Tim, the elders, our governing structure, things like that, this is the class to come to, 11.30 on Sunday. Up in, in the upper classroom. Yeah. And um, should they go to the alternate parking lot for that class? On Saturday morning, they should come to the upper level to park, to 
come right into the office area. But on Sunday, they can park wherever they want. For baptism class on Saturday. Yeah. And I want to say something to the people who are contemplating baptism. Um, and I know this because I've talked to many of you, and you are on the fence about baptism for one reason. This is what you say, and I hear it, and I, I understand it. But there's a flaw in the theological foundation on which that statement is, is uttered. And you say, I'm not sure I'm ready yet to get baptized. And by saying I'm not sure I'm ready indicates that you might have disconnected from the theological truth about what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian means that you understand you're never going to be ready, like for, you know, God's acceptance uh, or God's approval or being a part of the church on your own merit or on your own spiritual resume. You're only ever going to be ready because you know and believe that God has made you ready, made you worthy, made you uh, holy, made you his child, and yes, I have to break the bad news to you, after you get baptized, you will still make mistakes and sin. Mm -hmm. This is not like perfectionism. This is a statement of faith. It is a statement of declaring publicly, and here's what you're declaring, I'm no longer trusting what I did to make me good enough to get to heaven. I'm trusting what Christ did for me to make me acceptable to God. You are saved by grace through faith and not of works. Ephesians 2, 10, 2, 8, I'm sorry, 2, 8. You can't, I can't emphasize that enough. And also, baptism is not a next step. It's not. It's, it's just declaring. It's a declaration to people that you know and people that you go to church with. I believe Christ has made me right, made me worthy, brought me into the family of God. That's what baptism is about. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're contemplating, please just come to the class anyway. Uh, and those of you who are scared of the video, I want to talk to you as well because you wonder why we do it. There's a reason why we do it. We want you to tell your story. Your story matters. And there is no such thing as a, um, a dumb story, a lame story, a boring story. You are a miracle of God. You, the new birth is a miraculous event brought about by God, and every single new birth in our church matters greatly. I don't care if you were a choir boy and you never really did anything bad and Jesus saved you. The fact that you were still saved and knew that you needed Jesus in spite of the fact that you were a choir boy is a miracle because most people who don't come to Christ don't come to Christ because they think they're good enough for God. They think they're righteous enough, and that's just unacceptable. That's not the gospel. That's not church. That's not Christianity. That's do-goodism. It's America's favorite religion. I always say that. America's favorite religion is I'm a good person. No, you're not. There are no good people. There was one good person. He died 2,000 years ago on a cross for all the other bad people. Right. And he yeah. rose again because he was perfect and rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he gives you his goodness by grace through faith in his work for you. So get baptized. We would love to see your story told. 10, 10 a.m. on Saturday. Yes, sir. Yeah. 10 a.m. See, yeah. that's, that's how a preacher extends an announcement. You see how long I extended that announcement about baptism? Yeah, good job about I put, that. I shoved five minutes into that. It could, have, it could have lasted 30 seconds. I made it five minutes. We got another camera angle today, Michael, don't we? Have we, have we debuted the new camera angle in the podcast studio? Woo, look at Ooh, this. That's cool. I like that. Well, what I, I wore a hat. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> what I especially like about this angle is the size of my beard oh, is go. accentuated. Oh, okay. Yep. From this beard podcast, <laughs> podcast listeners, unfortunately, you cannot you cannot revel in the glory of the beard right now. You'll have to take my word for it. It's a marvelous beard. Um, so <laughs> that didn't take long. Let's nope, get, here we are. Let's get into six minutes in. We've talked about the beard. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. You know, I have a question for you. This is the title of the talk. Is the church cool or called? There's caution tape along the bottom of this graphic for a reason. Because we've got to take caution in what we are making of the church. What is our aim? What is our endeavor as the church of Jesus Christ? And uh, I want to read the passage that we're going to talk about today. Then we'll get into it. 1 Corinthians 3.10 says this. According to the grace of God given to me, Paul says, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, or precious stones, wood, hay, uh, straw, each 
one's work will become manifest for the day, capital D, day, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If it doesn't, if it's burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Uh, again, he's talking to the Corinthians who were <clears throat> boasting about their wisdom. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. So let no, so let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And your Christ's and Christ's is God's. This is God's word. I am excited to teach this uh, section of 1 Corinthians and we will get right into it right after this break. Get up to date on what's happening here during the week by staying connected with Waters Church on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, on our website at waterschurch.org. And now, back to the deep end. You know, when I grew up in church, church was not cool. In fact, you kind of expected it to not be cool. You know, I grew up in the age of uncool church. And it was actually funny because when I was growing up, church was not cool on purpose. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, it had to be outdated. <laughs> it had to be, you know, stripped of the um, glamour of, and the flavor of the world. And, and uh, we almost took pride in the fact that our church was not cool and not attractive. And we believed it was more faithful to be outdated and unorganized. <laughs> Yeah. You know, we thought it was a weird time, <laughs> the 1980s and 1990s. And I, I could never invite my friends to church because it was just so not cool. It was so not, ugh, it was so chaotic. I grew up again, I've told many people this, in a Pentecostal church and my church, my Pentecostal church background, it was chaotic. It was crazy. So you would never know if Sister Margaret in the front row would stand up in the middle of the preacher and start shouting out in a strange tongue and then, you know, Whoa. start condemning people and all that kind of stuff. You know, her interpretation, quote unquote interpretation, um, you know, and, and it was very, it was a time in which the church just did not even try to be cool. It really was not a time. I mean, look at the hairstyles, <laughs> look at the makeup, the layers of makeup, you know, the Pentecostal church was known for one thing or another. You either had too much makeup or no makeup at all. That was the Pentecostal church uh, in the 1980s. Um, but, you know, it was just not a time where people tried to be cool. Now, today is very different. Today is very different. Today, the church is cool. Uh, at least our kind of church is cool. Now, I know, it sounds, that sounds obnoxious for me to say that, but I, what I mean is you can come into our church and you can see big screens, moving lights, cool band, a cafe with you know, awesome food, uh, nitro cart, coffee, yeah. you know, all the cool things. And we even had, I even had a guy bring his friend to church this weekend and he was texting me uh, the guy's response after the weekend, after the service. And, and this guy's not a Christian, but maybe raised in a different kind of church. Who knows? Uh, and he said, this is church. Uh, and, he, and his words were, this is like church of the future, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, we're so into it. We forget that. But he was like, that was his first experience. And so today church is cool. It's like easy to bring somebody to church at what I think it's easy. Do you guys think it's easy? You're on staff, so you probably say <laughs> it's easy. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, it we, is. This is what we do. We aim to make our church easy to make it um, to make it easy to bring people who don't go to church to our church. That's why we do what we do. For sure, it's, you it's know? definitely the kind of church that you that you want to bring people to. You yeah. know, it's not that it's not the kind of situation where it's like, oh man, I wonder what's going to happen today. I wonder if I'm going to be embarrassed, or I wonder if people are going to be weirded out yeah. or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now. The problem is, is that there's a dark side to cool church. There's a dark side to cool church, especially in the um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, compare myself to other people generation that we live in. Because just like you people at home or at work will compare your car to your neighbor's car, your kids to your sister's kids, your uh, kitchen cabinets to your second cousin twice removed, kitchen cabinets, uh, as much as you will compare your marriage to other marriages, 
uh, pastors and church leaders today in our kind of church fall into this trap of comparing our church to other cool churches. And then we start to fall into this trap of, I've got to out-cool that other cool church. Yeah. I got to out-cool them. I got to make sure that our church is cooler than, what cool, what cool thing did they do? I better do something cooler. You know, and then this is where churches start to fall into a, um, uh, a celebrity mindset in the church, you know, and uh, pay attention if you're new to Waters Church, the people on our stage are not celebrities and they're not people that are any better than you or any more spiritual or any closer to God than you. I always say this and listen, we are all one person away from the father and that person is not a name of my name is not Shane's name is Jesus's name. Jesus. We are all one person away from the father. That person is Jesus. And so, you know, the thing about it is we fall into this celebrity mind. Like, oh, my gosh, look at them. Oh. And uh, it can be intoxicating for pastors, too, because when I meet people on the weekend and they almost like their eyes light up and it's like, hey, I'm just a, I'm just a preacher. You know, back in the day, the pastor was just the schlub on stage. Now he's like, oh, my gosh, the guy who does all the talking, you know, the guy who has all the answers. That's not true. I, I also find this. This is a funny term that we get thrown around in our world today. This term would never have been heard in the 1980s, 1990s. This, this is the term, celebrity pastor. Oh. How, think about those two words, celebrity pastor. <laughs> Remember, pastor in the Greek word, wording means shepherd. So think about it that way, celebrity shepherd. That doesn't make any sense. No, no. A shepherd is dirty. A shepherd is with the sheep. A shepherd smells. A shepherd is, his, he's got calluses on his hands. I've got calluses on my hands, but for a different reason. I work out. I work out. <laughs> but oh, here we go. Long but, with the beard. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what I'm saying is that um, you've got to see that this idea of a celebrity and a pastor, they are so incompatible because a pastor is not called to be a celebrity a pastor is called to be a shepherd of people. And a shepherd gets his hands dirty. A shepherd serves. A shepherd works. And I see the dangers of cool church because the church is tempted to be cool. And here's the hard truth that I want you to see. It's on the screen here. The hard truth is the church is not called to be cool. The church is called to be very much counter to our culture for the commission of Christ. Now, I squeezed as many C words into that sentence as possible. <laughs> I love alliteration. But it's the church is called to be very much counter the culture. So sometimes, right, we're not going to be cool. Yeah, right. Sometimes Definitely. the church is just not going to be cool with culture, and we've got to be okay with not being cool to our culture. Our culture might think a lot of things that we believe are not cool. You know what I mean? And I say... I say, yes, and some of you might think this, like Waters Church, you know, glass, people in ha glass houses shouldn't throw rocks, and I get that. But we're in it, and we need to always kind of like, we always need to check ourselves about this. Are we just trying to be cool, or are we trying to be faithful to our calling for the commission of Jesus Christ? Uh, because before we know it, we can unconsciously surrender the call of Christ for the sake of being cool. We can unconsciously start serving the flavors of the day. W what do people want to hear? Let me tell them that. What do people like about our church? Well, let's do more of that. What kind of music do they want to see? Let's do that. And I get it. Let's make the church attractive, but at the same time, let's make the church faithful. There's a balance, right? right. Yeah. Let's make the church attractive to people, but let's make it faithful to the word of God and never compromise what God's word says. And anybody, anybody out there who you, and, I, and, I, and we get this, you haven't come to our church. You just see our Facebook posts and you see the rock band or you see the lights and all that stuff. And then you make a judgment call about our church and you say, oh, watered down, yeah. you know, yeah. oh, the, the compromisers. Oh, that's when they're going to, you know, bait and switch you and they're going to sell you the pastor's book. Okay, I've never written a book, first of all. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we are, we are faithful to the word of God as best as we can be. We make mistakes. We don't want to make those mistakes. And the only thing that the, – the, the only um, – thing that I really focus on as a pastor is, is this faithful to what God has revealed through his word for his people? Yeah. Uh, and if people don't like it, I got to be okay with that. I'm not trying to be cool all the time. I'm trying to be faithful to the calling of Jesus Christ. Sure. So why do I bring this up? Because in 1 Corinthians, that, th their, their temptation was to be uh, cool in another way. It wasn't being cool with lights and smoke and 
cool leather jackets like Shane Parsons has on right now. It's Josh Pereira's I borrowed. <laughs> I, I, don't no. own, I don't own any cool, cool clothing, I guess. No, no. Last week was the hat. <laughs> you don't have to tell people that you borrow clothes. <laughs> well, I don't want to put that it. false expectation out there yeah, on okay. Sunday. He's not trying to be cool. There we go. I love it. He's not trying to be cool. The Corinthians were trying to be cool because they were being they were chasing like the illustrious nature of the wisdom of the world. And again, we're still in that whole subject that Paul started in first in the first chapter, that there were some who followed Apollos, some who followed Paul, some who followed Peter, some who followed only Jesus, and they were they were um, competing with each other, one up upping each other because they were chasing their kind of cool, which was the wisdom of the world. And so Paul says, here's how he takes it on to let them know who he is. In verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me. If you've got a Bible out, underline that word because it's so, so important. Grace. Everything we do, guys, and everything we do, Waters Church online or Facebook listeners, is by the grace of God. Right. And what we have as a church is by the grace of God. And the people that come to our church is by the grace of God. And the level to which we grow as a church is all by the grace of God. So according to his grace, not according to our, you know, our style, our flavor, not according to our wisdom, our intellect. It's according to the grace of God. We are assigned to do what God wants us to do. And Paul says, like a skilled master builder, the word there is architectron in Greek, which sounds like an English word. What's the, what's the English word it sounds like? Architect. Architect, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's where we get it from. He says, like an architect, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. And then he says, let each one take care of how he builds. Verse 11, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So here's what you need to understand, uh, listeners. The church is built on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. It is not built on a personality. It is not built on a pastor. It is not built on a style there's coming a day where when cool church will be outdated church. Yeah. There's coming a day when light, smoke, and band will be old as the hills and kids will be telling their parents, that is so lame. Why are you still doing drums and instruments like that? That's so lame. Get with the program. So the church changes styles all the time. And the church has been changing styles for 2,000 years because the church has never been built on a style. It's always and only ever built on Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. See, we have to get this as leaders, and I have to get this as a pastor. I was at a church conference last week. You were there, Shane. Yeah. And we heard a pastor. And you know what? Friends, I wish we could hear from more pastors like this. Let me tell you what kind of pastor he was. He was a pastor of a great, huge church, up-and-coming pastor, great, huge church in the South, huge, huge giga church, not mega, giga. And <laughs> he fell. He had, a, he had a thing where he had to be taken out of the church leadership. And uh, there's a lot of pastors like that. And I think that we should hear from these guys more often. Sure. I really do. Yeah. Because they can give us a perspective that we cannot see as being in it. And what he said was so very helpful to me. It was actually very cutting to my heart, and it really like put a lot of things in perspective. But he said, pastors, you will be shocked at how fast your church can move on without you. And I thought, wow. Yeah. And he knew that because he learned it from experience. He had been taken out of the church. He was no longer the pastor. And the church moved on and grew and flourished and is flourishing to this day. And he's out of it. Yeah. And it's like, a, it's like a sobering reminder to us. The church is not built on Pastor Tim and his personality. The church is not built on our style. And friends, that's important for you because you don't want me to be your spiritual guru. Right. You want Christ Jesus to be your Lord, Savior, Shepherd, your your, your closest friend, your king, your confidant, he is what you build your church on. Now, there's another side to this, and here's the other side, because there's a lot of people in the church who think, and they're not even pastors, who think that the church rises and falls with them. Yeah. I've been raised in the church, and I've been in churches, and I've been in many churches where, and by churches I mean not many different churches, but many seasons of the church, where a certain person thought that they were integral to that church's success and existence. Mm, yeah. 
and Shane and I, we could talk about like a couple of people personally, like yeah. by name. We won't we won't mention their names, but I've been through seasons where there have been people who just had this arrogant attitude, like as soon as I'm out of here, this church is going to collapse. Right. I'm holding it up. I'm the one making it happen. Nobody understands. And this is, and a person that I used to know very closely would say things like, nobody understands how much I do for this church. The inherent explanation or the underlying idea, uh, a heart of that sentence is, this church rises and falls on me. Uh, or there's big givers in the church that think, that threaten the pastor with taking their tithes yeah. out of the church. And say, well, I'm going to just take my tithes elsewhere and watch this church fall. And I'll just tell you something. Uh, this is why we strive not to be cool, but to be called to the commission of Jesus Christ. Um, when you are about the work of Jesus, which is reaching people far from God and telling people who don't know Jesus about Jesus, I'm telling you, Jesus takes ownership of his church and no one leaving will ever stop that mission from getting completed. Amen. Yeah, that's true. No one. Yeah, people tend to forget that the church is in God's hands. It's not in it's not in our hands. Like yeah. Yep. And but again, and the and the and the uh, the emphasis has to be made again as as long I believe as that church is committed to the call of Jesus. Yes, absolutely. Which is to tell people about Jesus. Yeah. I mean, again, a church can falter if it's built on being a social club for the insiders, if it's built on us for and no more, if it's built on, you know, traditions, denominational structures, you know, old buildings or whatever, and never being willing to change for people far from God and all that kind of stuff. And a church can, and many churches are closing right now because they don't go after the lost. They don't go after people far from God. Yeah. They don't care about their neighbors. They just care about having their church and being happy in their kind of church. But I believe, and I am firmly committed to this, and we will not ever, listen, we will not ever do it perfect. So, you know, we will make mistakes and get off your high horse and work with us instead of critiquing us if you're in that cloud, yeah. Yeah. you know. Um, you have got to understand that our church is committed completely to telling other people about Jesus. This is why almost every service we end with, hey, come to Jesus moment. We end with those moments because we want people who are in that audience to come to Jesus. And I believe that when you make that the priority, God takes full ownership and responsibility of your church. Yeah. So if some big giver leaves, God has a way of just bringing another big giver in or raising up somebody in the church to be a big giver. And it has happened. Yeah. A lot. It has happened. Yeah. And if some key employee decides, I'm just going to leave, I'm just going to leave and watch them falter without me, you will be shocked to see how quickly the church will not just move on without you, it will thrive without you yeah <laughs> because god loves to kind of like just remind people you are not all that i did not build my church on you i built my church on the name of jesus christ the lord of lords and the king of kings so hello the church is not about you it's about jesus um anyway back to the passage he says if anyone builds verse 12 on the foundation Okay, so the foundation is laid that Paul laid, which is Jesus Christ. And if anyone builds on it, and we all build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, that's why we create churches the way we do. We do ministry the way we do. We're all building on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become manifest for the day. We'll disclose it. Okay, the day here is capitalized because he's talking about the judgment day. There is a judgment coming, Christian. There is a judgment coming upon you. Now, very important that you understand that this judgment coming upon Christians is not in regards to their sins. Your sins, Christian, if you believe in Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord, your sins were nailed to a cross 2,000 years ago with Jesus. Amen. God will never bring them up again. Never, ever, ever. However, you will be judged, and I will be judged on how we worked in the church for the sake of Christ, for the sake of others. And this is what he's saying. The day will make your work manifest. And he says there's, there's different kinds of material that we can build on. Wood, hay, stubble, or gold, silver, precious stones. And I thought about what's the difference between wood, hay, and stubble on one side and gold, silver, and precious stones on the other side. And there's only one difference between those two, those two kinds of materials, okay? And the, and, the, and the difference is work. It, it does not take much work to gather wood, hay, and stubble, right? right yeah. You can go out there and cut down a tree right now and get some wood. 
Yeah. Um, which we did, by the way, a couple of months ago. Uh, <laughs> and the state had something to say about that because it was on Route 95. Sorry, state of Massachusetts. We, we love you, state of Massachusetts. I'm sorry about that. Okay. But uh, <laughs> it doesn't take much work to get um, wood, hay, and stubble. It takes a ton of work to find gold, silver, and precious stones. Yeah. What do you got to do to get gold, silver, and precious stones? What do you got to do? You got to dig? You gotta dig. Mine? You got to dig. Yeah. yeah. And digging. Have you ever digged, Doug? Have you ever dug? Doug. Doug. Have you ever dug? I dug. We have an elder named Doug. Yeah. Um, he's on. He's on with us too. <laughs> hey Doug. Hey Doug. Hey Doug. Uh, have you ever dug? It is. It is stinking hard work. Yeah, it's a pain. It is excruciating. Yeah. I dig one hole. My I'm sweating, and yeah. I go to the gym, and I'm sweating, and I'm like tired. I want to take a break. Dig one hole. Take a three hour break. Um, but it takes work, and this yeah. is what it takes to build the church on on Jesus to make it last, it takes work. It takes effort. It takes being willing to get up early and stay late. And you guys know this in this office. Yeah. There's a lot of work in this office that makes this church happen. Yeah. You know, we, we don't, under, uh, non-church people, they don't get it. Like they hear we work for a church and they're like, oh, that you, full-time? That's your, that's oh, your full-time man. job? Get that what? all the time. <laughs> what, what do you guys so, do? No, what do you guys do during the week? <laughs> just show up on Sunday? Yeah, just yeah. open the doors on Sunday. Yeah, just, uh, yeah. yeah but it takes there a long time to, to wipe the door down. So we're all Monday, we wipe the door down. Then it's dirty on Tuesday. So Wednesday, we got to wipe it down again. Especially when I tell people I do music. They're like, oh, so you show up on Sunday and you know, play the organ? Yeah, you like, just get up there. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> right? Just takes two seconds to just play music. Um... <laughs> You're like people think they ask my wife to this day. They like, what are you crazy? So what does your husband do for a living? No, he's he's a pastor. No, no, no. What do you do for a living? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what he does for a living. What do you yeah. do during the week? You know, and it does take a lot of work. And you guys work hard. You guys work incredibly hard. I think there's people in this office that work harder than me. And I've always prided myself on being a hard worker. I was raised by a hard worker, a man who got up at 5 a.m. and came home at 8 p.m. every single night as a truck driver. And he taught me the value of hard work. Thank yeah. you, Dad. Yeah. You taught me how to work hard. And I brought that. I brought that into the church. I don't think there's. I think that if you work at the church, you should work harder. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of guys out there. You want to get jobs at the church because you think you'll take it easy. Mm. It's not easy. Mm. It's much harder. Yeah, it's sure. And it should be hard. It should be hard because it's the work of Jesus. Think about this. To lead the church, you got to lead a volunteer team of people who aren't getting paid to show up on time, be responsible, be respectful, and actually smile while they're giving their time free of charge to doing a lot of work. Yeah. That's very hard to do. Sure is. But it's also a joy to do it. And we love the work. Please don't think we're complaining. I no, mean, no. We, we all stay late because yeah. we love it. But, um, and, and, and so anyway, we have a lot of people who do the work and they don't get paid at our church. And man, I'll tell you something. They do so much work. They do work to lead a small group. They do work to lead a ministry. They open their homes to people. They care for people. They pray for people. There's an amazing amount of work that goes into the church. And here's what Paul is saying. Here's what Paul says. If you want to build the church on Jesus Christ and really make a difference in the call of Jesus on people's lives, then it's going to take work. You cannot just mail it in. Yeah. You cannot just say, oh, it'll just take care of itself. No, the church is not like that. And he says this again in verse 15. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved as only through fire. Christians need to remember this. Christian, you need to remember this. Uh, you're not going to be cast into hell if you don't work hard in the kingdom. But he is saying here that if you don't work, you're gonna get, you're gonna get, you're gonna be saved, but only as through fire. Like there's gonna be a lot of singed Christians in heaven, you know. Yeah. And 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 <laughs> we hear we have passages like this in the Bible to motivate us to give our lives for the call of Christ. Judgment's coming, and and so you know do something so that when you get to heaven, you're not. You're not sitting there saying, "Oh man, I wish I took it more seriously." Uh, how many of how many of you right now listening to me wish you took your classes in college more seriously? How many of you who couldn't get into college say now, "I wish that I took my high school classes more serious." Does not life teach you to do the best at what you're doing right now? Not to waste time, work hard because there will be a payoff in the end. There will be a reward for good work. Right? Yeah. How many people are going to get to the end of their lives after years of work and they never, they never saved, they never invested, they never did a good job, they just barely scraped by, and then they're going to be like up a creek without a paddle when they try to retire or try to like take time off or whatever. And it's like 
all of life, listen, all of life is teaching you, do what is right and hard now so that you get rewarded later. The same is true with heaven. The same is true for You're going to be rewarded in heaven. You're going to be glad. You will never regret, friend, the sacrifices you made to serve Jesus in the church. You will never regret the work it took to help people connect with God in this life because God is keeping an accurate record. He knows what you've done. He sees it. Even if nobody else sees it, he sees it and he will reward it. I, I really got to like say this strongly because there's so many Christians in our church that just come and they don't do nothing. Nothing. You just come and you just take. You just come yeah. and you just take. It's like, stop being a taker. Heaven, you're going to be so upset with yourself. You say, I wish I took it more seriously. This is your chance. I'm telling you, as a, as a representative of Jesus, serve God. You'll never regret it. Amen. Yeah. Stop being a, a consumer. There's a, re, there's a reward coming. The story of the old missionary couple. I love the story. And they were coming back from like 40 years in the mission field. I don't know if this is like an apocryphal story, but it's just it's a good story nonetheless. Yeah. Coming back 40 years in the mission field. And they're on a ship, and on the same ship is this huge celebrity. And they're pulling into port, and there's a huge crowd with balloons and, and, and banners and signs saying, welcome home, welcome back. And all that celebration was for the celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. And the old missionary couple, old and gray, wearied by time, get off the ship. Nobody's there to greet them. And they turn to each other, and they say, well, I guess this is all we get for serving the Lord. And look at how much they're celebrating that, that celebrity. Yeah. And the Lord said to his heart in that moment, take heart, son. You're not home yet. And I love that. Yeah. You're not home yet. We get home and we get to heaven. Yeah. And someday there is going to be a celebration when you cross that line. Remember, Jesus actually says this in one of the parables. He says, when you cross that line and you finish your work here on earth, Jesus is going to celebrate you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. This party is now on. Amen. Celebration. And I'm convinced this of this, guys, that the judgment seat of Christ is going to be shocking. <laughs> it's going to be shocking. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of people who think they deserve a lot more and they're not going to get it. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of people who think they deserve nothing and they're going to get a ton. Right. Yeah. How many people in our church right now, you serve in a way that nobody sees or you serve in another church, maybe not our church, but you serve in a way that nobody sees. You're faithful, and maybe not even in the building. You're at your job, you're at your work, or whatever. You're witnessing to people, you're telling people about Jesus, you're loving people, you're loving your neighbor, you're laying down your life, and nobody ever goes, yeah. right? But God keeps accurate records. Yeah. And I think a lot of these guys, a lot of these pastors, a lot of these churches that are building their church on celebrity and cool factor and all that stuff, and we think, wow, they're amazing now. Uh, the day will bring it to light. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 6, 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And that's really like, that challenges my heart as a cool church pastor. Like, let's not do this just to be cool. Let's not just be Christian cool. Let's be faithful to the call of Christ. Amen. Yeah. You know, verse 16 of 1 Corinthians 3. Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? And if, God, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Notice I put those S's in the U's. So do you's not knows that you's Use. There's no no. There's no s in nose. Okay. So do you not know that use? And the reason why I put that s is because in the Greek text, you don't see it in the English text because you singular and you plural is the same word. Y o u. Like I can say to you, meaning you too, or I can say to you, meaning just you. It's the same word. This is what's confusing about the Bible in English. In the Greek, there was no confusion. Paul is saying you people corporately are God's temple. He's not talking about individual Christians. Now, I only bring this up because this is important to understand that he's talking about the corporate body of believers. And he says, you corporate body of believers are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in the corporate body of believers. So it is not just me and my iPod and Jesus. It is my, my church family. I belong to a corporate body of believers. When the church gathers, the Holy Spirit is there in their midst. And good things happen. And I always say that you guys always say, you always hear me say this. It's never just church. the church, right? Yeah. It's never just the church. Because Paul is saying here, you are God's temple. 
You are the place where the Holy Spirit dwells. Yeah. And then he has a stern warning. Look at this. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For his temple is holy. And you are that temple. And so I think about this. He said three things about the church. Number one, he's, he's already said the church is God's field. Like a harvest field. So the church is cultivated to produce fruit. The value of a field is in the fruit it produces. Right. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we are God's building. That means we are designed and built by several different workers and adorned by God's grace, the costly stone of Jesus' blood. We are designed. The church should be structured. The church should have a structure to it. And then he says, finally, we are his temple in which he dwells by the Spirit. And then this very firm warning in verse 17, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Whoa. Those are some firm words from Paul. For sure. So think about this now. He's not talking about individuals. He's talking about the church body. Now, now look at that passage in verse 17 through, the, through that lens. If anyone destroys God's church, God's corporate body, God will destroy him. Friends, be careful how you treat the church that bears the name of Jesus. Right? Yeah. Be careful. This is his church. This is his temple. This is where he lives, where he dwells, who he loves. The church is the bride of Christ. Listen to me. You want to be my enemy in a hot second? Do something nasty to my wife. I'll be your enemy in a hot second. I'll smack you. I'll beat the living daylights out of you. (laughs) Sorry, I wanted to say something else, but anyway. Um, The same is true for the church. The church is Jesus' bride. Yeah. Right? He's going to defend his bride. And I think about this. My questions for some of you are, what's your relationship like to the church? Yeah. Because are you treating it with respect? as the body of Christ, as the temple of the Holy Spirit? Or do you belittle the church? I got some questions. They're good questions. Like, for instance, number one question, do you give to the church or do you take from the church? That's a good question. Yeah, that's a great question. Are you a giver or are you a consumer? Are you a contributor or are you just a spectator? Because that's how, this is the church. Yeah. Take it, take it honorably, honor it. Uh, are you serving or are you just watching? How about this one? Are you gossiping or are you encouraging? Yeah, that's huge. How many prayer meetings are really just gossip sessions? (laughs) Did you hear about Sally? She's pregnant again. I know she's still not married. (laughs) Let's pray for Sally. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Are we gossiping or are we encouraging? Small group leaders, listen to me. Are you encouraging new believers to feel comfortable in your small groups? Or are you like doing this thing where, no, this is for spiritually mature Christians only. Yeah. So, no, 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 no. You new Christians, you might buy, find another small group. How dare you? Yeah. How dare you? Encourage new unbelieving people, new believers, to come and be a part of the community. Yeah. We're all one in Christ. I love new believers. You know what? New believers challenge me. I got a guy, he's a new believer in our church. He's texting me all the time. Bugs me to death. But I love it. <laughs> but I love it. I need it. Right? Because he's, tell- he's telling me about how he's telling his friends about Jesus. He's telling me about this. He's telling me about that. God's working his life. And I'm like, man, that's a m- oh, man. I-, I want that fire back in my own life. Yeah. And, and when, you- when you cut yourself off from new believers because you want to be around all the mature people, you are losing that new blood. Yeah. Think about a-, a natural family. A natural family is never as alive as when a new baby comes into it. Sure. Yeah. Like, you know? After a while, I get sick of the people who have been around for a baby. Like, oh, the baby, everything, the baby makes a baby makes a a baby makes a house come alive. Yeah, baby Christians make a church come alive. For sure. You know what I mean? Anyway, are you consistent? Are you honoring the church? Are you forgiving the church? This is a big one for some of you. Are you forgiving the church? The church has hurt you, or somebody has hurt you in the church, and you won't go back. You have to forgive, friend. You have to forgive the church. The church is not perfect. It will not be perfect until Jesus comes again. Let it go. Forgive because Christ has forgiven you and join yourself up with a very imperfect body of Christ representing the very perfect Jesus. Yeah, amen. Um, you got you to remember... Uh, that when Paul meets Jesus, remember this now, guys. When Paul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, Jesus um, basically blinds him, 
casts him down to the ground, humbles him. And what does he say to Paul? He says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Paul wasn't physically attacking Jesus because Jesus had arisen to the heavens. He was physically attacking Christians. And Jesus is saying to Paul, when you attack my people, you attack me. And I think about that. How you treat the church is how you're treating Jesus. Do not tell me you love Jesus if you do not belong to a local body of believers. Don't tell me that. Yeah. How can you say you love God and not love the brothers? Yeah. Uh, First John. How can you say you're a Christian and not be involved in a Christian community? Stop doing church on your own. Stop being a rebellious child of God. Get yourself into a body of believers and serve and love them, imperfect as you are and they are, to the glory of his name. Amen. Yeah. Question. Uh, we just had a, a question about if there will be First Wednesday tonight, so I figured we should just <laughs> Yeah, let's talk clarify, about that. No, no there's that. no First Wednesday tonight. We had First Wednesday a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. That was the question? Yeah, I know. We could have waited till the end for that one. And a lot of people have been I asking. I mean, I'm on a roll here. I'm on a roll, people. Listen. A lot of now comments. I, I can't get it back yeah. now. A lot of comments, no questions. Okay, well, thank you for the comment. Are they good comments or yeah. nasty grams? <laughs> no, they're good. No, I know. A lot of people like my jacket. <laughs> Dear Lord. Sorry. It's <laughs> not about you. <laughs> okay, but my question is, guys, uh, and watchers and listeners, what would your life look like if you really believed that the church is the body of Christ Jesus himself? I think it would be different. I think it would be different. I think it would be so different. I think you would be so much more respectful. I think you would be so much more... Uh, compassionate, so much more caring to the church. Um, you would want to, like, um, Martin Luther was very famous for saying this. And by the way, 500 years of the Reformation, October 31st, amazing, oh, wow. Wow. amazing uh, anniversary we're coming up on here. But Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, uh, Martin Luther, <laughs> the, the reformer, um, said, God does not need your good works, your neighbor does. Wow. Yeah. This is the power of being saved by grace, not by works. This is the power of it. Because you do not have to give your works to God to get accepted by him, now you can use all that energy to serve other people in good works because they're the ones that need it. God does not need you to give him money. God does not need you to um, do things that you know uh, help him feel better about himself. He needs nothing. Your neighbor does. Your neighbor needs your compassion. Your neighbor needs your love and your care and your money. And the body of Christ locally needs your money to help spread the message of Jesus. So don't worry, okay? Don't, don't do this thing of, well, I serve God in my own way. I hate that line. Yeah, yeah. I serve God in my own way. No, you serve God when you love people in physical and tangible ways People who belong to the body of Christ. Okay. Amen. Yeah. I think I've beat that horse. Mm-hmm. It's dead. Uh, <laughs> verse 18, he says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone thinks he's wise in this age, let him become a fool, then become wise. The wisdom of the world, folly to God. And he catches the wise and craftiness, and on and on it goes there. And basically, what he's saying is, and I think this is a, a, a kind of a rebuke to the Corinthian believers in the first century, and it's a rebuke to us today. You're never not in need of a local church. You're never so wise that you can think, well, I, 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 you know, I understand that there's a church, but I get to the Bible myself, I read it, I listen to this, that, the other thing, and you just think, who do you, who do you think you are? You are above the law, you are above the word, you are above what the Bible clearly teaches us over and over and over again to be involved in the body of Christ, to not neglect the meeting of yourselves together with the body of Christ. I, I, I run into these Christians outside of this church because they've seen me on YouTube or they've seen me on, um, we're on TV now or whatever, and they say they don't go to church and they do church on their own, and I, I, I just don't like to talk to them. I just, like, if I see them coming after a while, I, I walk the other way. Yeah. I don't want to listen to that. No. You're not a Christian if you're not involved in the body of Christ. you got to be involved, period. Yeah. I mean, check your heart. Check your heart. And uh, so anyway, he says, he says, humble yourself, become a fool so you become wise. Uh, Socrates said this, the only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. Huh. I love that. Yeah. Because it helps you learn. Yeah. People who can't be taught are the people who think they know everything. And, um, 
That's important to just keep that humbled attitude. That's why you come to the church. I'm, I can learn from, like me, I can learn from that new believer who is texting me. Sure. You know what I mean? He's teaching me. He's instructing me. He's challenging me to continue to press on in faith. I watch some of the younger pastors coming up, and they're dynamic, and they're successful, and they're amazing. And I think they're challenging me to do my job better. They haven't been in it as long as I am. And I could be an attitude. I could have an attitude. Say, I can't learn from them. They're younger than me. They're younger than me. I, I'm more experienced. And I can only rob myself of the ability to grow in wisdom and knowledge because maybe they know something that I don't know. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. So he says, if you think you're wise, become a fool so that you may become wise. And then last, last, last couple of verses, don't boast in men. In other words, don't worry about being cool. For all things are yours, whether Paul, Apollos, Cephas, the world, life, death, present, future, all the yours, and you are Christ and Christ God. In other words, he's saying the church, as much as you're called to serve the church and be involved in the church and give yourself the church, at the same time, the church is for you. And that's the beauty of the church. The church is like an investment program. You invest in it, it invests in you. Sure. Yeah. Now you guys can say this, right? You guys can speak oh, a- this. A- absolutely. I mean, just... You know, being in the church the past, I, I didn't grow up like part of a church like this. So just being in this church for the past, you know, four years has it changed my life completely. The more I put into it, the more I get, you know, that's how I'm fed by feeding other people. That's how, you know, my life is invested in, you know, just by investing into other people. Yeah. And you got a girlfriend and a wife out of the deal. I know. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, right? The package deal. No, it's true. Uh, it's true. Yeah. You, some of you young people go into the bars still to find a significant other. Get into a small group at Waters Church. Yeah. Michael over here, our producer, he has a nice young adult small group, don't you? With nice, attractive young adults. Yeah. <laughs> find somebody. Michael, you found your wife. Uh, I'm sorry, your girlfriend here. <laughs> sorry. I don't, j- jumping the gun on Michael. Sorry about that, Michael. But uh, he's also dating a girl through the church. Yeah. And think about I got my wife through the church. Yeah. And so I have three beautiful babies. The church has given me those babies. Yeah. You know, it's just, you can't go wrong. I'm trying to tell you guys this. You can't go wrong when you invest in the bride of Christ. Her husband is watching you and he's going to, he's going to kick it back to you a hundred times and more. And so all are yours, all are yours. Take advantage, love the church and then reap its benefits. Take advantage of those benefits because it is for you. And it's not about you, but it is for you. All right, anyway, four big ideas and then we're done. Uh, The church is only truly built on the gospel of Jesus, nothing else, not a personality. Someday, Waters Church, I know this is hard to hear. I know this is hard to believe, but someday I will be dead and gone. And this church, I really do pray, will go on to greater things and better things, larger, better than ever, and I'm out of the picture because it's not built on me. It's yeah. built on Jesus. The church, number two, is the living body of Christ. Treat it like that. Treat it like it's the living body. Three, your participation in the church will be tested by fire. There is a judgment coming. Are you ready for that judgment? Please do not live with regret someday when you're old and gray that you put all your time into your job, all your time into money, all your time into your things, all your time into the social strata of America, and you did not put your time into the things that matter, the people who are far from God. And number four, The church deserves your honor and respect. It is the bride of Christ. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. Ladies and gentlemen, this was The Deep End. Thanks for joining us for this week's Deep End podcast. We pray that you continue to grow in your faith and that you would serve and support your local church. If you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us this weekend at Waters Church. We are located at 57 John Deach Square in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. And you can join us every Saturday at 4 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. Make sure to stay tuned in for next week's episode of The Deep End Podcast.